today we have Dr. Raymond Turner, who is part of the Stroke and Cerebral Vascular Center uh, Department of Neurosciences at Medical University of South Carolina. Ray had an, an editor's choice article published in the September issue of JNIS, and the article was entitled Novel Non-Occlusive Temporary Endoluminal Neck Protection Device to Assist in the Treatment of Aneurysms in a Canine Model. Ray, thanks for talking to me today. Can, can you tell me a little bit about the temporary aneurysm neck bridge system uh, which you evaluated? Absolutely, Rob. Thanks for uh, allowing us to talk about this. So the device itself is a self-expanding nitinol uh, stent-like device that is retrievable that has a closed cell design that allows for coil assisting uh, with this device in, in sidewall and bifurcation aneurysms is the idea of the application of the device. It'll allow for protection of the uh, parent artery lumen, much like we do with stents and balloons currently, but it doesn't obstruct the flow like a balloon does, and it's retrievable or removable uh, at the end of the procedure, unlike a stent. So therefore, it gives you the protection of the parent vessel, but it doesn't leave a permanent implant behind uh, once the cloning procedure is complete. And just re regarding the device itself, can you talk a little bit about, for example, the cell size of the device uh, versus other things on the market and, and, and maybe the radial force of the device once it's expanded and, and sort of the implications of that? Sure, absolutely. So it, as, as I said, it was a, it's a self-expanding closed-cell nitinol mesh that was laser cut from a hypotube, and it, and it comes in, uh, the device that we tested comes in two lengths, 23 millimeters and 32 millimeters, with a 5 millimeter diameter. The cell size, when it's fully expanded to 5 millimeters, is smaller than that of the solitaire uh, stent device that uh, we are familiar with, and it has similar cell size to both the Neuroform device that's made by Stryker as well as the Enterprise uh, device, uh, stent device that's made by uh, Codman. Uh, it's um, mounted on a uh, pusher hypo tube in, in, in an overwire design that allows you to not only uh, maintain access to a true lumen with an 010 wire, but if necessary, you can even inject medications through that hypo tube delivery system. Uh, for example, Real Pro or, or something like that, if, if you saw a clot buildup on it. Okay. Um, the outward radial force of the device is actually very similar. To enterprise in solitaire, and it's and it's actually less than uh, that found with Neuroform. Okay, and so is the delivery uh, required to be over a guide wire, or do you have the option uh, to deliver it, you know, without placing it? You, you uh, yeah, you have the option of not not using a microwire, um, mm -hmm. and you can just unsheath the device. Uh, the current uh, generation we tested went through uh, standard O27 catheters. Okay. Uh, and you can just unsheath the device across the uh, lumen of the, of the aneurysm. Okay. And then is there sort of a safety guard to prevent full deployment, or, or is there an option to deploy uh, deploy it fully if, if you want it to? Yeah. Yeah. The device that we tested is, is not uh, detachable. And okay. so you can, you, you can deploy the whole thing, and then you recapture it at the end of the procedure. Okay. That's very interesting. Now, you, in the manuscript, evaluated the device in an animal model. Can, can you talk a little bit more about the details of the experimental design uh, for that? So we used uh, 20 sidewall aneurysms that we created in 10 canines using the carotid arteries in, in a uh, traditional uh, vein graft pouch design. 
and we let them heal in for approximately two weeks prior to the procedure to call the aneurysms. And then after that two-week period, we, we basically accessed the common femoral artery uh, as we typically do, went up with a guide catheter. We unsheathed the device across the origin of the aneurysm, and we then went ahead and we coiled through the device. Now, for the procedure, we, we accessed the common femoral artery in the canines, and in each animal, we treated one aneurysm with a device applied across the neck of the aneurysm. And on the contralateral side, we went ahead and coiled the aneurysm without any assistive device. And we alternated left side and right side in the vessels, although I don't see that makes too much of a difference which aneurysm did because they're all sidewall uh, aneurysms of similar size and similar characteristics and similar neck dimensions. And then once we went ahead and completed that, we sacrificed five animals immediately and we survived five animals for one month. And uh, once the animals were sacrificed, we went ahead and explanted the segment of the vessel with the aneurysm. We went ahead and we looked for evidence of histological injury and damage, as well as we had angiographic results of how well the aneurysm was occluded. And so what were the results of that histological analysis? So what we found was that the device was successful in assisting in the coiling of, of the aneurysms in all, in all 10 of the canines. Uh, and when we looked at the histological evaluation of it, what we found was that there was no evidence of any significant injury to the parent artery during the place. There was no evidence of any uh, major intimal dissections or injury. Several animals had mild to moderate amounts of inflammatory markers, fibroblasts, and inflammation that is probably related to the healing response of the aneurysm but we didn't okay. find any major uh, endoluminal injury as a result of the device when compared okay. to the control. I assume in this model you deployed the coiling microcatheter first into the aneurysm and then uh, positioned the device and uh, deployed that, so it sort of trapped the microcatheter in the aneurysm. Is that correct? Yes, that is, that is correct. We Yeah, we effectively jailed the microcatheter right. um, into the aneurysm. Is there an option with this device to do it the other way, right? To, um, yeah. If you do that, is there any constraint on cell size depending on the vessel that you're in? Theoretically, because it's a self-expanding hypotube, there shouldn't be a dramatic difference um, in okay. cell size in the larger vessels, three and a half to five millimeters. And mm -hmm. so... Since the cell size is very similar to enterprise and neuroform, you should be able to uh, cross through the device and into an aneurysm if you wanted to uh, deploy it first and then cross over it into the aneurysm for coiling. In this animal model uh, with the jailed microcatheter, did you sort of uh, deploy the device at uh, sort of a, a one-time deployment and then coil the aneurysm? and then re retrieve the device? Or did you, with each um, coil deposition, did you deploy the device? So what we did was we uh, deployed the device once and, and then coiled the aneurysm to completion. Then we okay. recaptured the device and removed it. And uh, what we found with all 10 aneurysms is that there's no evidence of coil instability or coil loops herniating into the device and getting caught, uh, okay. which is one of the biggest things that we were testing is can the coils get entrapped in the device or can they be shifted during the recapture and removal of it? And we didn't find that in any of the uh, 10 aneurysms that we treated. So, Ray, can you talk a little bit about clinical implications of the device as far as treatment of acutely ruptured aneurysms and, and that sort of thing? I think the device offers uh, promise as being another you know, device in our tool belt because it gives us the opportunity to 
protect the parent artery while coiling the aneurysm without causing an occlusion of the vessel as we do with the balloon or leaving a permanent implant behind. I think the future direction of the device is, is to make it with the option of detaching it as well as to make it smaller so it can go through no 021 or actually even an 0165 uh, microcatheter uh, to make it easier and more compatible. Since this is an adjunctive device, there is definitely benefit to making sure that the device delivery system is as small as possible to minimize the amount of interaction between that this device delivery system and your coil catheter. So in the clinical setting, do you foresee the need for anticoagulation or antithrombotic use during deployment of the device? Or yeah, I'm not. Sh- you know, I'm not sure if we exactly know the answer. Um, I yep. think the fact that we're not going to have a permanent implant behind that theoretically the device is going to be deployed for, you know, 15 to 30 minutes, maybe however long it takes somebody to coil an aneurysm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not sure if how much of a risk there's going to be with platelet aggregation on the device while it's deployed. And so there may be a, a need or a role for needing an aspirin or aspirin and plavix ahead of time or make sure the patient's well heparinized versus no mm-hmm. heparin. Um, one of the nice advantages of the device is because it's uh, mounted on a hypotube, if you start seeing platelet aggregation on there, you could give a uh, GP2B3A inhibitor uh, through the device directly onto the time right. of the stent. Uh, which should help uh, mitigate any any of that platelet aggregation. Mm-hmm. And with the hypotube design, I know this is kind of forward thinking maybe, but I mean, obviously the, this device is best suited for sidewall aneurysms, but it, it seems like you could have a different sort of occlusive design, almost like an umbrella design where you would still have the hypotube and could, could potentially coil through you know, for end vessel aneurysms, coil th- through the device. Yeah, I think that's certainly, um, you know, possibilities. In, in there are devices that are in development, uh, mm-hmm. similar to that kind of concept and design that I think show promise in treating those terminus-type lesions. Absolutely. Right. Can you talk about what you think are the next steps for the TANBS device as far as um, development and trials? Absolutely. Well, the newest generation device, you know, the device has both applicability for aneurysm coiling, but also for uh, stroke therapies. And so its sister device um, is currently being used and has approval in Europe as uh, stent retrieval for stroke therapies. Okay. And that sister device actually is an 010 design, so therefore it goes through an 0165 microcatheter. And I think the next step from the aneurysm standpoint would be to use that sister device technology but make it detachable. So that way mm-hmm. physicians can have the option of removing the device at the completion of the coiling or detaching it and leaving it behind as a traditional stent would if they if they felt like they wanted the you know the remodeling effects of having a stent in place after coiling. So uh, there's definitely been um, a lot of development since this project was done a few years ago uh, mm-hmm. in terms of working on the technology, improving it, and also applying it to other areas. And I think there's a lot of promise to um, the different areas and arenas within Endovasa that this that these, this device can have its, uh, have its impact. 
So, Ray, thank you very much for spending time with me and answering questions regarding the uh, temporary aneurysm and neck bridge system, which you've tested in an animal model. Certainly, from what you've um, explained, the device certainly holds uh, exciting promise for aneurysm treatment. And as you alluded to, you know, I think a sister device for stroke therapy uh, is extremely exciting. So thank you. Thank you very much, Rob. I appreciate the opportunity.